You ready? Yeah. Wait. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You can put that as the intro. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hey everybody, real quick before we get started, if you are in the United States, happy Independence Day. Hopefully you're not out shopping today, even though this episode is about shopping. Hope you're enjoying the holiday with your friends, family, loved ones. And if you're in Australia or New Zealand or an adjacent country over there, a quick note for you, our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, is now available in stores in your country. It's not just an ebook, or you don't have to order it from overseas, which I know was cost prohibitive. So our friends over at Hachette, Australia, they decided to pick it up and put it in stores. And the good news is we're going to use this as a barometer to see whether or not we should visit Australia and New Zealand early 2018. So if this does well in stores, we'll find a way to bring the Less Is Now tour over to your hemisphere. All right, y'all. We hope you enjoy this episode of Shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. And we are back in town, at least for a little bit. Uh, This is episode 85. We're going to talk about, well, Ryan, let's go shopping. (laughs) <laughs> sounds miserable. I know, right? Sounds, sounds, it gives me anxiety just thinking about going to the mall. Even like what, I mean, it is, it is Montana's largest mall in Missoula, <laughs> Montana. You know what? It wouldn't even be like Dayton's fifth largest mall, I think. Yeah. How weird is that? So if you go back to any, any, like even mid-sized city, I guess Dayton's a mid-sized city. Um, you have like five or six or 10 shopping malls. That are that are available to you within a half hour drive or oh, so, yeah. right? And and here, people drive hundreds of miles in Montana to go to the Missoula Mall, which is it's really tiny. And when when I think about shopping, like I don't know if most people realize the shopping mall was invented in the mid twentieth century with the best intentions too, man. Yeah, really good intentions. Yeah. Like like the the architect, the German architect who invented it. I think the first one was in Minnesota. He, he was like, hey, you know, it's really cold here in the winters. Let's have like, you know how our little downtowns, they have these town squares where people can congregate. We have different businesses. We have attorney's offices. We, we have this communal feeling. Let's recreate that in a climate controlled environment so that we can actually spend time there in the winters. And then, of course, we'll have commerce take place there. If you need a hard, hardware store, I mean, we can go to the hardware store. A bakery. Yeah, whatever. And now we have Forever 21 and Banana Republic. And and everything else, and it's not that the, those things are inherently bad, but it creates this culture of consumerism yeah. that, that has led to these these five thousand advertisements a day. Well, if you give if you give corporations, especially like these massive corporations, if you give them any opportunity to make more money, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, like, because that's, that's the primary driver. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be by definition right. a corporation. So so we have two types of of companies, right? We have nonprofit. 
and we have for-profit cor- corporations. We just re- we leave that off. We don't say yes, mine is a for-profit corporation. We just say it's a corporation, right? Right. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, man. It's like uh, you know, walking past the gap and they've got like the window display and it's like, you know, white t-shirts and white pants and then like in the background it's like Hashtag minimalism. <laughs> we've commodified everything. We've commodified Unbelievable. love. We've commodified simplicity, and we we are advertising the hell out of everything. I was at I was at the um, gas pump today before on my way over here, filling up, getting gas, and I'm like, you know how some of the gas pumps have the TV screen on it, right? And so they're like promoting to you at this oh, point. Yeah. And so what was interesting about this? They had a commercial playing. But then on the sides of it, they had a static video image with two separate ads. So the commercial was one ad. There were two static ads. There was a sticker on top of the screen that had a, a permanent ad or you know, semi-permanent ad. And then below it, on, on the gas uh, pump itself, there were three different advertisements. So while you're getting gas, you're being exposed to At how many? least eight, just on That's the pump. Unbelievable. And then, so when people question, like, I don't know if I could really see 5,000 advertisements a day. I just saw eight on that one pump. There are six other pumps there, right? And or five other pumps, there's six total. And they all had the same eight. And then as I walk in, there are the banner ads. There, there are all the other advertisements that we've become numb crazy. to it, right? It's crazy, yeah. And so this episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by underwear. <laughs> <laughs> underwear are nice. Go buy them. Hey, do you want groceries delivered to your to your home? Um, then yeah, it's amazing. Stop it. Do, do you not want to go to the post office ever again? Good grief, man. Um, and yeah, we, we refuse to clutter our podcast with advertisements. So if you do want to support us, you can just go to the minimalists.com, click on the donate button. We set up a Patreon page. Uh, we really appreciate your support. The sad, the sad part is, is like some of those ads, like some of those products and services that actually might be useful to some people. But we're inundated with so much, like it's hard to filter out 5,000 advertisements. The noise. And really determine like, okay, what is actually going to add value to my life? Um, the noise to value ratio yeah. has, has diminished dramatically. It's unbelievable. In the last few decades, especially. And, and um, you know, we look back at, we had a friend recently, our friend Kent, who attended our Cincinnati event. We were just back, back, in, back in Ohio for a little bit. And he sent us that little... <laughs> it's like a bunch of 80s ads. 80s and 90s advertisements. Dude, and dude it totally the, brought me back to like my childhood the Juicy Fruit commercial was the best. I think that's the one it kicked off with, but that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I remember chewing Juicy Fruit just because of that advertisement. You remember the songs? Yeah, but then like once I started chewing Juicy Fruit, I was like, oh, this is really good. And But like the commercials would totally like got me to, oh yeah, that was the Juicy hook. Fruit, it's gonna move ya. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was the hook. And and the little jingles, like we were in downtown Columbus recently, uh, just last last weekend, and I was walking through there, and, and one of the biggest buildings there has nationwide insurance on it, right? Mm. And like the jingle instantly popped in my head, nationwide is on your side. And <laughs> and I'm like, well, I didn't, no one was singing it. Like it, I just saw the logo, and all of a sudden that popped in my head. Like I said, we've been enculturated to to, to associate with dude with these products. It's so funny you say that. So Peyton Manning, have you seen his nationwide commercial? Anyway, long story. I saw it during like the Super Bowl or something. And he's like, he's singing everything he says. He says it in the tune of dun, 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 dun. And he right. says something like, um, uh, uh, Peyton loves chicken Parmesan. Like as he's <laughs> making chicken Parmesan. 
But dude, I, <laughs> it was when we were in San Francisco, um, there was chicken parmesan on the menu, and the the waiter was like, "Man, you should really try this. It's really really good." But like that advertisement was in my head. Oh no! And I was like chicken parm is really good. <laughs> I totally got, it was so really wait, tasty. <laughs> I wonder if the amount of chicken Parmesan sales have gone up. Since I know. The, I was just thinking to, that. Right. Uh, but it, it's weird. So, so you you and I, we refuse to, to clutter the podcast with advertisements, but we do want to do some meaningful stuff with, with this podcast. I mean, we, we've learned a lot doing this podcast last year and a half, and I would hate to start peppering in with ads, but, but we're trying to build this new podcast studio. We want to improve the audio quality of the podcast. We also want to take live callers. We want to do some experimental episodes. We want to do some shorter episodes, longer episodes, more episodes, and we want to continue to focus on on the high-quality standards that we've already developed and really improve on those, those standards, continue to grow. We also want to do a, a film studio, so we need to hire a full-time filmmaker. Uh, we want to do a video version of the podcast, but a bunch of other video stuff as well. The, the documentary really resonated with people, and I found that that one of the best ways for us to continue to, continue to grow this message is for us to focus on more uh, just video creations. I won't say content because I hate that word. I don't want to create content for the sake of creating content. I want to create meaningful creations. So web series, TV shows, interviews, uh, documentaries, video essays, live streams, and, and a lot more stuff like that. So if you want to help us out, you can become one of our Patreon patrons. Head on over over to theminimalists.com, click on the donate button, and from there you can find options to do a per episode contribution, or you can do a one-time contribu- contribution via PayPal as well. Uh, we've got a, uh, several questions here, Ryan. I know we don't have a ton of time, so what do you think if we just dive right in? Let's do it. All right, our first question is from Matthew in Fort Collins, Colorado. You know, being a minimalist can, can be pretty tough, can be pretty hard. Um, you deny yourself a lot of things. Um, and so I was wondering if you guys ever uh, let yourselves go a little bit, um, splurge on something, thinking about maybe, you know, doing something fun with that extra money for just a month or two. What do you splurge on, Josh? <laughs> well, besides, hair, besides your $200 haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, really, the gold grill that's in my mouth, that was expensive. <laughs> gold grills. Dude. <laughs> We should do a minimalist gold cross. <laughs> Could you imagine showing up in It's all white. Oh, genius. <laughs> oh, you, you know what, man? Um, yeah, it's white gold. Um, <laughs> man, Is I, that just silver? I, I, I don't want to get confused here. So, Matthew, uh, first off, thanks for your question. Uh, let, let's, let's not confuse splurging with letting yourself go. You use both of those terms there. You also said that it's tough and it's hard to be a minimalist. Minimalist, I agree with that. But then you also talk about denying yourself. That's not what minimalism is about. Let's, no. let's be clear about that. Minimalism is about intentionality. If anything, it's about not denying yourself because what happens is our lives are so cluttered with those 5,000 advertisements or the 300,000 items that we own and those things get in the way. That is real denial. We're denying our happiness our satisfaction, our values. We're, we're denying our priorities, uh, forsaking them because we're pursuing that which is not important. Uh, the non-essentialism that uh, Ewan McGregor talks about in, in his book, uh, Essentialism, the non-essentialism is, in a weird way, denial because it gets in the way. I mean, I think about if, if we're driving down the road, Ryan, and all of a sudden there's you know a bunch of logs in the middle of the road because you know there was some... Uh, thunder or, or, or a rainstorm that, that knocks some trees into the road, it keeps you from getting to where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that was like the metaphor for minimalism. It was like 
Minimalism was a tool, not the destination. It wasn't even the vehicle. It was the tool that helped us remove those logs from the road so we could get where we wanted to go. Yeah. It was the opposite of, of denial. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think what he's talking about is, is instead of maybe instead of denial, uh, maybe the word is discipline. I mean, I could argue his side of what he's saying, denying ourselves, but it's not. It's denying ourselves the actions that keep us from denying ourselves. I mean, I, I think that's ultimately we're, what he's trying to say. But maybe denying the impulse. Yeah. So maybe the better word is discipline, like being more disciplined. Yes. Yeah. And it reframes it positively as well, right? right? So, so instead of splurging, it's splurging with discipline or splurging with more control, right? But then it doesn't become splurging at all. It becomes intentional consumption. Yeah. And, and that's not really splurging. Now, he mentioned goals. And once you reach a goal, do you splurge? And I think of our friend Bob Velaskovich back in, in the corporate days. He was a bodybuilder. And I remember he would do these bodybuilding competitions and uh, he had this George Foreman grill. He managed one of our stores uh, in Springfield, Ohio. And he would keep this George Foreman grill in the back room. And all he ate all day was like six pounds of chicken and a few like s- sweet potatoes raw. And that was pretty much it when he was preparing for these competitions. He ate raw sweet potatoes? Yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. And so- I didn't realize that. That is- And you know what I think he did? I think he baked them the night before and they were just cold maybe. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. But they were like, he was not eating anything. But no, I, I know he had a strict diet. I remember the point where he's like- eating his chicken and rice or whatever it was, man. And, uh, he was just like, man, I hate this. Yes. I can't believe I'm doing this. Like as he's eating it, right. but it, it's, it's, you know, it was the discipline he needed to get to, uh, you know, that low fat state where he could go into a competition and, and, and win. But he, then what did he do after he, he would, yes, after so he, he, he would he win a competition. competition. Yeah. I remember the competition he won. He actually came in third, but the first two guys were on steroids. So, uh, <laughs> they got both that got disqualified. And so he won after the fact. Oh, that's crazy. And he, he gained 21 pounds that weekend, like that weekend, that weekend afterward. Oh my God. And now he's a big dude. And so like, he, but he had deprived himself. He had denied himself for so long mm. that he splurged. So, mm. so I guess where I'm going with, with this analogy here is that if you're not denying yourself, minimalism is a tool to not deny yourself, like you said, yeah. then you won't feel the impulse to splurge. I don't feel the impulse to... I still feel like I, that would be delicious for me to eat that thing I'm not going to eat. Yeah. And, and whenever I do eat it, if I, if I eat something that is outside of that value of health for me, I, t- I tend to not be happy about it. Right. Yeah. It's a great metaphor too, man. Like if you spend all the time and effort to, you know, deny yourself something just so you can get to that end goal, which, which is what Matthew also said, right. When you get to that goal, do you splurge? So if you're denying yourself and like not even denying, but depriving yourself to a, a, a point where you get to a goal and then you're like, Oh, I finally got to that goal. I'm going to go splurge. Well then, you know, the metaphor where he gains 21 pounds in a weekend you're right back to where you started. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that splurge erases all your progress. Yeah. Way, yeah. Right? And so I prefer the progress to be more incremental and not you know, just fast charging ahead. And, and because that, that progress tends not to last when, when you are depriving yourself. Right. And sometimes it's okay to temporarily deprive yourself to understand what really does add value. But most of the time you, you don't want to do that. And then you don't feel that same impulse to splurge. If you're living a healthy life, you, you, I mean, for me, I don't look back and say, you know what, Ryan, three months ago, I really wish I would have eaten less healthfully. 
Yeah, right. You'll never hear me say, man, I wish I would have eaten more tortilla chips that night. <laughs> I'd feel so much better right now if I would have just had a piece of cake. Yeah. You, you never hear that. It's just always in the moment. It's like, I need, you know, it's what Joe Rogan calls mouth pleasure. Like, I, I just need this mouth pleasure. There's a piece of chocolate cake that's in front of me. I'm going to eat it right now. Like, my birthday is tomorrow. And, and Bex is making uh, the same stuff she made for Ella. It's really a celebration for Ella more than anything else because I wouldn't ask for this. But <laughs> she's doing like these gluten-free, dairy-free chocolate cupcakes without any added process with no processed sugar and and still i wouldn't splurge on that every day all day but it still doesn't feel like splurging because it's still within my my parameters of discipline right yeah it's against the edge of that parameter because it's going to be naturally sweetened with agave or whatever she's going to use but it's still it's still within my parameters and so i don't want to constantly abut those parameters but i'm not going outside of them either and so so are are there any things that we splurge with a little bit that, that could be considered I want to, let's not say splurge, let's say luxury items. Sure. And, and so for me, coffee is certainly one, especially while we're out. Oh yeah. Could tour. we, yeah, dude, that's a great point. So we could totally go to our local grocery store and buy some Folgers coffee and it would certainly serve the function of the caffeine, right. which, uh, you know, a lot of adults have become addicted to. It becomes a caffeine delivery mechanism. Though. Right. Yeah. But certainly we, we could go get Folgers for, However, you know, that big can for like eight bucks, the Costco version. Yeah. But we're totally willing to go to, uh, you know, our, our local, um, black coffee roasters here and pay three or four bucks for a cup of coffee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, so I guess you could consider that a splurge but, or not, not a splurge. What did you, what did you just call a luxury? It? A luxury. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. It absolutely is a luxury. And, and so, but any luxury, the, the key then is to not do it in excess, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, to try to curb that. I mean, if I imagine if I had 10 cups of coffee a day, it's not a luxury anymore. A, it's a bad habit. It's an addiction sure. at that point. Uh, and, and, and B, it is it, it diminishing returns. Yeah, that ninth cup of coffee, I'm like, oh my, what am I doing? And a, <laughs> why, a, why am I spending so much money? And B, like, what the hell am I doing to my body? This is, uh, this is actually worse than if I were not drinking it at all. Yeah. But you get that you get those incremental returns, the first cup or maybe even the second cup, you, you, you get a positive sort of benefit. It feels good. And, and, um, you can afford it as well. And, and I, that's I mean, kind of the key to me, man. Yeah. Can you afford it? Yeah. I don't, I don't have any debt. I just think about, uh, Dave Ramsey. I would not be buying a $3 cup of coffee if I had credit card debt, if I had any debt at all, yeah. if I had student loan debt, if I had, if I had a mortgage, I would not be in here. I think of Dave Ramsey when he's talking about this and he's talking, he's trying to help people get out of debt. And he talks about, um, you're not going to see the inside of a restaurant for the next three years. Right. And he talks about, you know, selling everything that's not tied down, sell so much that the pets think they're next, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's, that is my man, my, my mentality when I am in a crater like that. But once you're out of the crater, then you can enjoy simple luxuries. Mm. It's not luxury luxuries. You know, I'm not going to buy a Lamborghini ever. It just wouldn't make sense for me to do that. Right. Uh, and I don't begrudge someone else who does, who's really passionate about that. That's up to them. I'm not judging someone else for doing what they do. Uh, Same, the same thing with advertisements. Like you and I refuse to clutter the podcast with advertisements, but I'm not saying, just because you have advertisements, on, we have good friends who put advertisements on their sure. podcast. That they, it's it's within their values, and I'm totally fine with that. It's just not within my values. And by the way, our values can be different, and that is okay. And, and so when I look at things that that I that are luxuries or that I splurge on, um, 
Let's see, uh, the pants I'm wearing right now, I have one pair of pants that I wear regularly. So if you've seen us out on tour recently, like you'll see the, and these in fact have a cut in them because remember I cut my leg, go back to the, the blood chocolate episode if you missed <laughs> that one. Uh, it was, Ryan carried me onto the stage in Madison, Wisconsin because I was in a wheelchair that for several funny. days. It took about uh, over a week of, of doing some physical therapy on that to, to be able to walk right on it again. Uh, but um, these pants are probably 200 bucks. I talked about them in the, in the clothing episode episode but it's so much better to own this than five pairs of pants that are 40 bucks for me i get immense value from these they're super comfortable you know, the person tweeted the picture of how do you get your cell phone in this place did you see that Mm-mm. so so uh, there, there was we were at the la event with rob bell and um i was up on stage had my leg crossed like i do right now you can actually see my cell phone in my in my side pocket right yeah right now okay and the lighting was shining on it really brightly and so someone like took a picture and then and then had this really close-up version of the picture how do you how is your cell phone in that that pocket and it looks like i have like cargo short underwear on or something <laughs> that's what someone said on on uh, on Twitter, patent pending. But yeah, <laughs> I have this little side, the side um, pocket on these pants, and they're like super stretchy. They're almost like a jean look, but they are so they're like cargo synthetic. pants, but but like a hidden pot. It's a hidden pocket. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's just one this one hidden pocket, and it's clearly a cell phone pocket because it keeps it away from my junk. Mm-hmm. And that's nice, but just because I'm afraid of of frying my my junk. <laughs> Uh, what else? Oh, you know what? We were, we've flown a lot recently and we got upgraded for 25 bucks to first class uh, on the way back. Hypocrite. I know, right? Um, <laughs> which was really great for my back and also being able to sleep. I finally slept for um, 11 hours the other night because we had been on the road for so long yeah. and coming back and and uh, I had the opportunity to, to upgrade all of us. It wasn't like, it was, hey, see you guys later. I'm going to upgrade. No, it was about like me, you, and Sean, and, and Mariah was with us. And mm-hmm. and that's nice to be able to upgrade folks for uh, for 25 bucks. Yeah. Um, and so that, now, if it was $2,500 for a ticket, of course I'm not going no to do way, it. No way, dude. Um, and if it was just a one trip, no, it doesn't make sense to me. But it was the the end of the tour, and we're all exhausted. I'm like, this is this is going to be best for all of us. I'm going to spend that extra twenty five dollars. But again, can I afford it? And I think that's really important. That's really what it comes down to, man. And like, I mean, I guess for me, uh, let's say someone dumped like a hundred grand in my lap right now. The Model X Tesla, yeah, is beautiful, man. Like I, it's, it is like, talk about luxury. It's got the suicide doors. It's got all these little, um, Easter eggs. Like, I mean, you just, you would have to YouTube it to see what I'm talking about. I won't do it justice. Like sitting here trying to explain it like zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I couldn't justify even like that luxury item. Like, so there is, there are limits to it, right? Like I'm not going to go spend a hundred grand on a car. I might go buy a model, uh, I think it's model C is what they have. It's like 30,000 bucks. The model three that's coming out. The model three. That's what it is. Yeah. I think there's a model C regardless. Like, yeah, I might, I might buy a lower version model of it, but like I couldn't justify buying that type of luxury. You're saying if someone dumped 70,000 bucks, I could build, I could build three schools in Laos for 70,000 bucks. Right. So, so yeah, I I think that definitely does have its limits. I think for me, that's a good point though. So let's just stay on that real quick. Yeah. what else can I do with this money, right? Oh yeah. Is this the yeah. best use of that money? And at the time, spending twenty five bucks to get upgraded to first class was a no brainer. It course. was the best use. Now again, if it was just one flight, like next month I'm flying over to uh, Minnesota 
because uh, Bex's sister is getting married. And so uh, it's going to be the last wedding that I ever attend in my life. <laughs> and that's how much I love Rebecca. I mean, several years ago, I... <laughs> I'm just imagining like one of our really good friends, like Rich Roll, getting married. Like, hey, Josh, I want you to be my best man. <laughs> hey, Rich, sorry, buddy. <laughs> I've never done. I promised myself I'll never attend another wedding. Anyway, uh, here's the thing. Yeah, are there exceptions? I'll make. Obviously, yeah. If you and Mariah for some reason got the the, I mean, there's no question I would. But um, it takes a, an ex, extenuating I understand circumstance what you're yeah, for yeah. that to happen. Anyway, I'm flying out there. And it's a uh, one quick flight. No, it doesn't make any sense for me to, to do that. It's like, it'd probably cost several hundred dollars right. more. And I can do so much more with that, that several hundred dollars, Absolutely. whether it's donating that to charity or paying my rent, whatever it may be, it, mm. it makes more sense. So, so, so I, well, I, I guess what I was gonna say, I think what you're getting at is if you do, like you reach So going back to Matthew's question, you reach a certain goal, you have a lot of leftover money, and you could totally go out and buy some luxury goods with it. The question yeah. is, is uh, what's going to, what's going to add more value or, and, and what's going to align more with your values and beliefs? Like, do you go out and do you buy a bunch of luxury items or uh, do you do something else with that money? Like for me, man, if I have extra money, like I do love to go out to eat. I mm -hmm. do love to um, travel. Like I'm going to Germany next month. It's not cheap, man. Like renting a car, um, uh, the, the plane tickets, it's not astronomical. I mean, it's, it's not like something absurd, but as I'm, um, doing this, I'm like, man, is this really going to be worth it? And at the end of the day, you know, my grandma's 83 years old. We're going to go back to the town that she grew up in. And I you're mean, taking she, your grandma there. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, she, uh, she, um, is 83. I don't think she will ever make this trip again. I think like, in fact, she never wanted to make this trip again, mm. but my aunt and I talked her into it to doing it one more time. Yeah. So uh, we're going to, you know, she moved over here when she was 18 years old, couldn't speak any English at all. So this is going to be a really cool experience, man. Not only that, but it just so happens to fall on like this, this festival, uh, this holiday that they have. It's once every four years and it's during the month of July this year. When did she move here? Did she, she escape during world war two? She didn't what? escape world war two. She, um, man, I forget the exact story. Someone just basically gave her an opportunity to come to the States and she was a waitress and didn't speak any English. Mm. Um, she did, she has some crazy world war two stories. Like I'm looking forward to her showing me these routes she would take from her house to the grocery store. Um, basically she had to stay hidden as much as possible because her, they were getting bombed so much. Right. So like if she was out in the open, she had more of a chance of, of getting hit than, you know, if she was kind of going under, um, you know, through buildings. She's and, a little kid when this was going. Yeah, on. it was crazy, man. Yeah. So I look forward to like, you know, being over there with her, seeing a lot of the history, seeing where, you know, my roots come from. Um, yeah, she had a bad dude. Her, her mom got injured mm. and she had, I forget how many kids it was, but, um, like how, like how many kids her mother had, how many siblings my, my grandma had, but I think it was like, you know, three or four siblings, but she got injured, could not afford to take care of the kids, had to give them to an, like a, a basically like a monastery, a monastery, like an in-between adoption house mm -hmm. for several years before she was like well enough and like back on her feet to like get her children back. I mean, wow. it's just unbelievable. 
um, childhood. Though. I mean, my grandma was like one of the, she's the strongest person I know, man. Like mm. I cannot believe, like I think about the crap I went through and then I hear her stories and like, I feel lucky that I didn't have to go through all that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, it's expensive, man, but it's worth it. And at the end of the day, um, this will probably be like one of the last international trips I will take in the next year or two. Yeah. Um, you know, Mariah and I went to Japan again, like a once in a lifetime opportunity. We met some friends over there. It was expensive. So, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, Josh and I don't buy luxury goods, but it is something, uh, that is definitely intentional. And, you know, um, yeah, I prefer not to spend a thousand bucks on a plane ticket, um, for the next couple of years, man, that would be really nice to like not have that. Expense. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, as soon as you said luxury goods, I thought of it. These are almost most of them. Everything we've mentioned so far are sort of experiences, mm. at least directly or indirectly. I mean, uh, uh, or at least indirectly their experiences. The coffee is, is an experience. You're experiencing mm-hmm. that, that consumable good, mm-hmm. the trip that you're taking, uh, can be considered a luxury. And, sure. and that is, uh, that is, um, an experience for sure. Yeah. Uh, even these pants, like I literally wear these pants every single day. I, I, everything I do experience, I tend to be wearing these pants except sex. I'm not wearing these pants during sex. Unless <laughs> Bex asks, asks me Depends to. on what your, uh, what your fetish is, man. <laughs> hey man, if she asked, I would, I would be completely in. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I love so to, to speak. I love, I love, I love to, uh, I love to, I'm, I'm Mr. Um, I'll pay for everything. It's funny. When we were over in Japan, uh, Josh Wagner's um, partner, Alexa, uh, she calls me Mr. I'll pay for everything. And it's because like when we're out eating, like I'll always grab the check. Like A, because I can afford it. Mm-hmm. But B, like I know that these guys are starving artists. Like they're not, like they're able to live in Japan because they can teach English online, but they're not rich. Like they're not, um, uh, all I can say is, is that the, you know, the 30 bucks or the 40 bucks that I'll spend on their meal, mm-hmm. like they're going to be able to do way more with that 30 or 40 bucks. And, and to me, like, yeah, I, I take that opportunity to do that. But you don't do it in excess either. And I think no, that, that's the other, thing to, uh, the other thing to think about, or to sum it up with Matthew's question, no, don't splurge purchase with intentionality. Yep. And, and I think that that is the best way to think about splurging. When you feel like something's splurging, maybe that's a warning sign that you're not being as intentional as you'd like to be. And and Ryan purchasing some a meal for someone, he does that with intention. Or if he's going to go on a trip, it's really well planned and that is done with intention. It's not like, "Hey honey, let's go to Paris for the weekend." Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's can I afford this? Is this a once in a lifetime experience? And oh by the way, Many of these things that are, if you if you plan them appropriately, we learned this from Colin many years ago, our, our friend Colin Wright, who has a great podcast called Let's Know Things. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. He he tra- He's a full-time traveler, and he doesn't make a lot of money, but he travels all over the place and lives like a local. And it's not vacation, and that's the, that's the difference. You're actually traveling. You're mm. not going on vacation. Mm. Yeah, you because vacation is splurging most of the time. You 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 are are spending money on on the experience of travel and and you are immersed in the local experience. You, you didn't yeah. go to Japan and stay in the five har, five star hotel and just speak to everyone who only spoke Ameri- or American American <laughs> English. You could, yeah, American English. You could say I don't. Yeah, I'm not against holiday or vacation, man. But I know you're not. I, I know what, I, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, there is a certain point where. Uh, yes, like you don't, well, I don't want to just, if I have an extra 3000 bucks, I'm not going to look at Mariah and be like, Hey, we can get tickets to Paris. Like I just said, you know, we're not going to go spend 
the weekend in Paris. Like, hey, we can get a couple tickets to Paris for uh, you know eight hundred bucks each, and then while we're there, you know, live it up like a king and stay in a five star uh, five star hotel and right. um, you know eat eat until our, our, our you know eat eat every at every nice restaurant until we have our fill and then head home on Monday. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't do like that. I guess maybe that's what you're talking about when you say vacation, like just kind of, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking that, that be, to make the experience more meaningful, I've found that the travel side of things, living more like a local experiencing a local culture. Even when you were in, in Laos a few years ago for the school that we opened, yeah, I keep saying last year, but uh, it was two years ago now, almost yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you certainly lived like a local there For sure. and, and understood the culture better. It's not to say there's, I mean, we just sent podcast Sean to Mexico for a week, but I tell you the best stories that came out of that wasn't the times they were at the resort. It's when they got lost off the resort and <laughs> Sean fell asleep on the bus and the, and then they got off at the wrong stop and had to walk for many miles and almost got kidnapped. I mean, those are the stories where you're like, oh, I'm glad you're alive. Yeah. Not that we stayed at a resort and had resort food and never left the resort and yeah who wants to hear about that right (laughs) nobody no right hey look at this picture of me eating guacamole (laughs) by the pool god they do have the best guacamole down there (laughs) Uh, anyway uh so so it, it comes down to buying with intentionality, not splurging, and can I afford it? And, and speaking of, of finances, Matthew, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. There, there's an entire chapter on finances in there. It's an essay collection, 150 different essays, 12 different chapters on intentional living, and one of those chapters has to do all with finances. And also, you are in Fort Collins, so if you're willing to make the drive over to Denver, we're going to be in Denver later this year. The Less Is Now Tour. We just finished the first leg Man, Ryan, I don't know about you, but for me, so far, this has been the best tour we've ever done. Dude, unbelievable. Unbelievable. We've already done... um, I was so exhausted yesterday, like when we got home, but like, I've never been so happily exhausted in my life. It it was that good kind of tired, man. And yeah, I felt it, and I I slept like a baby. I went to bed at at like 7 p.m., and it took me forever. It took me... It was really hard to stay up until 7 p.m. Bex went to bed with me. Like, she's such a... uh, Just an awesome person. Um, And and so... And I slept for 11 hours. It was was unbelievable. But uh, the first leg is over. We're doing 40 cities this year. For those folks who who are interested, if you want to come see us on the road. We will be all over the place. I'll I'll give you a list of cities toward the end of the podcast, but Denver is one of those cities, Matthew. So we'll send you a copy of our book. Sean, if you can reach out to him, either give him the the print version or the ebook version, or it's on audiobook now. If you have any download codes for Audible, it is also on audiobook, read by the very talented Justin Mollick, who did such an outstanding job reading it in our cadence. Uh, it, it was it was it was really great, and then also we're going to be in Denver, so give him some tickets. That one is actually pretty close to selling out, I think. Denver, Tampa, and Toronto. Oh, Toronto sold out, Ryan. But uh, I just talked to our booking agent, Andrew. He's going to get us uh, a bigger theater. It looks like we were going to do two nights in a row in the smaller theater, but he's going to get us a bigger theater. Nice. So by the time this comes out, which will be six days from its recording, hopefully we'll have a new link up there on our cool. tour page. So check out all 40, all 40 cities over at lessisnow.com. Awesome. Matthew, enjoy the book. Enjoy the tickets. Our next question is from Liza in Atlanta, Georgia. How do you justify or decide when to allow yourself to buy something new versus hanging on to something that is functional but may have lost its sparkle? And, or, in other words, 
how do you reconcile an appreciation for aesthetics or design with minimalism? For example, say I'm successful in not having so many things, but I am ever tempted to purchase better things. So the functional thing, Ryan, I mean, sometimes sparkle is part of the function of the thing. So, so I want to keep that in mind. And she, she talks about how aesthetics are important. And I agree with that. Our, our friend, our friend, Rob Bell, he, he has this little talk I heard him do. And I think he's, he's been doing it live at some shows. I, I heard him testing it out last year at one point. He was talking about how the aesthetics aren't they shouldn't be an afterthought of a thing. They should be not. part of, of the design. And he, he actually related it back to um, flowers. You think about flowers are one of the most beautiful things on earth. They're naturally beautiful, right? But that wasn't an afterthought from nature. It's part of the design because they attract bees to pollinate them and they have to be beautiful. It's part of the functionality of the thing. Right. And so she said, if it, the thing is lost at sparkle, it kind of depends on what is the sparkle a feature of the thing? Because if a flower is wilting, it's functionally lost at sparkle, mm -hmm. then it won't do the job that it's supposed to do. Right. Other times there are things that become better with age. They become vintage. They're antiques or, you know, it's like a old record player or, or something that, that over time actually appreciates after it has lost its initial sheen. I, I think about jeans. Yeah, so there's a guy who works at our coffee shop down in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, Bandit Coffee, and his name's Seth. And he's worked at coffee shops for a long time. He has this black pair of jeans that he has worn for several years straight. The company that sold him the jeans, a really high quality raw black denim, the company that sold him the jeans purchased them back from him recently and displayed them in their window in Los Angeles. I blank in on the name of the company. They, they purchased the jeans back at a higher price than what he paid for the jeans and gave him another pair because they were, he kept, he kept wiping the espresso on his jeans. that had like a little, this little brown and, and black weathering on the jeans. They were naturally weathered. And so we pay more for things that are, that are, weathered right. and someone who's put in the work for it. And I think about going to the gym, like you can't just buy biceps, no matter how much you want, <laughs> you have to put in the work to you know, build your vanity muscles. Right. And I think of that, uh, some of our things, they get better with time. Our friend, Patrick Rohn, who was just on the podcast last episode, the non-line episode, he joined us live in, in Minnesota. I was looking at his old iPhone 4S that he has still in his hand, and it is so beat up and weathered, and he's typing on it. He loves that that particular device. Man, it it looked it looked better. And I would never because when I get a new phone, like you you you're like and you're in all of the the oh it's brand new, it's so shiny, it looks pristine. Mm. And his I would have never thought that like an iPhone it looked weather. It would look more beautiful because it was weathered. So, some, my, my whole point about this whole uh, dissertation here is that sometimes things become more beautiful when they are weathered a bit. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think about my 2004 Toyota Corolla. I would really like a new car, but like I don't want that debt payment. I am saving for a new car right now, mm -hmm. um, but it'll be you know I'll pay the full amount. I'm not going to, I don't want to take a loan out on it. Plus, yeah. you know, to Liza's point, like the car is still functional. Yes. Um, yeah. It leaks when it rains. Uh, the driver's, uh, <laughs> the driver's side seat is like this, 
you know, kind of bluish tint now because, <laughs> because of my jeans and I don't wash them. So like all the dye uh-huh. comes off on, on my seat. Um, the, the, the trim, uh, like the weather stripping in the back on the passenger side, like, I don't know what has happened, but like it shrunk. So like it, it'll come off every once in a while. I got to kind of like tack it back up there. Um, my key <laughs> doesn't open the trunk anymore, dude. I have to like, I have to use the, the, the lever, um, up front to pop the trunk and to fix all those things. It would cost more than the car way more, way more, but, but dude, like not having that debt payment like that to me is well worth, um, having something that, that has essentially to, you know, Liza's point lost its sparkle. Yeah. And it's freeing because you know, you can walk away from that at any time. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, to me, that's the question, it, you know, is so if something has lost its sparkle, a car or, well, let's just stick with that example. Like my question is going back to, you know, going back to that question of, can I afford it? And right. right now I could afford, I could afford like the monthly payment of a new car. That's not really affording it though. But it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not really it, in my definition of affording. It's not exactly now let's say, um, you know, something happened like that car blew up and spontaneously combusted. I had to get a new car. Right. If I had to take a loan out to get a car, yeah. I don't think that's the end of the world. I mean, you know, we always say there is no, there, there's no such thing as it good wouldn't be debt. good. Yeah. It, it, there is no no such thing as good debt, but debt can be used as a tool. And you know, in Montana, you do have to have a car. So then, if I had to break that tool out, maybe I would. Um, but I don't have to right now. And I think that's what it comes down to: is like, do uh, you know? Do I need to take a loan out for a car? No. Would it be better to have a car? Or would it be nicer? I should say. Would I prefer a newer, better car? Yes, but it's not worth it to me to break that tool out to, yeah. to, to, to buy a new car. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't think you could. I mean, okay. It's possible that, that I could be convinced by somebody that there is a time to get a car loan somewhere. Yeah. I just have not, I've not seen a compelling. No, you're right. Yet. You're right. Cause it did actually, it was funny. Cause as I was writing out my answer to Liza's question, I was, I was thinking about my car and you're right, dude. Like the money that I have saved up for a new car, I've got, I think I've got like six grand saved up right now for uh-huh. that. I have in my, I have a betterment account that I set aside for a new car specifically. Yeah. And I could take that 6,000 bucks and absolutely buy a car. That's twice as nice as your current one. Yes, exactly. Uh, it wouldn't be, you know, that model three Tesla that I hope to get, <laughs> that I hope to get in a couple of years. Um, but, but, uh, it would be something that's functional. Yeah. And you know what? It would not have that. It wouldn't be, I mean, it'd be new to me, but it wouldn't be new and shiny. Right. And maybe the the car I buy for 6,000 bucks, isn't going to have that sparkle to it. But that for me is when I choose functionality over the sparkle. Yes. Now, uh, yeah, I, I do want to go back to what you were saying earlier. Minimalism is not about uh, it's not about frugality. It's not about just buying things um, uh, that are functional and, and, and ignoring the aesthetics. I think aesthetics are super important. So, you know, at the end of the day, I could live in a tent under the bridge. Mariah and I could live in a tent under the bridge, build ourselves a little outhouse or something. I mean, I mean, I, I'm just like going really extreme here. Right. Um, yeah, I could certainly live in a an apartment that costs me less per month right now um, or no cost at all if I decided to live in a tent underneath the bridge. But there is a point where like, A, I I do like the aesthetics and and B, 
the functionality of the, of like where Mariah and I live, like it is an experience. We get an awesome view. It's every morning I wake up, like, I can't even tell you how, like every morning, dude, I'll wake up and Mariah and I just like lay in bed and we're like, Oh my God, like we are so lucky to wake up to this view every it's single chilling. morning. It's For those awesome, of you who want to see it, we do have an apartment tour of Ryan's apartment on the website. It's just uh, the minimalists.com slash Nicodemus. We'll put a link to that and everything else we're talking about in the show notes as well. Yeah. And, and uh, it's not the biggest place in the world. Um, 700 square feet. Well, yeah. When I have people over, like when I have guests over, it's really, there's no privacy for anyone. Um, but, but at the end of the day, like it's, it is a sparkly apartment, I guess, and I can afford it. Um, I'm not going into debt to have that apartment. So, I mean, those are the questions they get asked. There is, you know, Eliza's question. I wish there was like this black or white answer. Like, yes, you should care about aesthetics or no, you shouldn't care about aesthetics. I think, I think absolutely. You should always care about aesthetics, but the, the first question you should ask yourself before how aesthetically pleasing is this? is, you know, can I afford it? And it's yeah. not just the, and if, if you're in debt, you can't afford it. And right. so aesthetics in one way become a luxury mm-hmm. at that point. If you have debt, then if you get something that's aesthetically pleasing, that is by coincidence. And right. We shouldn't be focused on, I mean, th- that's the problem that we get into. Uh, aesthetics can be, and should be part of the overall function, but that it, it needs to be part of the overall equation of can I afford it? And, and man, I can tell you if my car blew up right now and I had, if I didn't have, you know, some money set aside in the bank, I was completely flat broke uh, or I was trying to pay off debt. Even that's yeah. flat broke, by the way, if you have any debt, you're broke. It's uh, worse than flat broke. Yeah. 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 It, it is. Uh, you can go back and read our essay, 11 signs, uh, uh, what is it? 11 signs that you're broke. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. And one of those signs is you have credit card debt or you have a car payment. And here's what I'll, what I'll tell you. I will find a $200 beater if I absolutely have to have a car or I'll figure out how to function without a car until I can save up for the $800 car. And at some point I can trade that in for the $1,500 car. I'd find my way, I'd find my way up to the car. That's, you know, a 6,000 or $7,000 car, whatever it was. And it would take some time to get there, but I, I wouldn't deprive myself of not having a car. Or by the way, there's a bus system in Missoula and I could, I could do that. There are plenty of people here. Yeah. 20% you know what, of the dude? population doesn't have a car. Yeah. And on, like I have a car and Bex has a car yes. and Harding has a car and you probably wouldn't have to get a car for a while, man. Like you could probably work it out with us yeah. to help you out. Absolutely. So yeah, there's, there, there are absolute, there are absolutely substitutes, but at the end of the day, like, yes, aesthetics do matter. I have very beautiful things. Um, but I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put my values and beliefs. Uh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't put aesthetics above my values and beliefs. No. In fact, so, so we talk about values, go back and listen to the values episode, episode 69. One of my minor values is aesthetics. So it becomes one of my values. So I wouldn't put my core values or my foundational values Mm -hmm. above any of my minor values. Absolutely not. And, and and so just keep that in mind. So it is a value of mine. Aesthetics is one of my values, but it's not more important than my health or my finances or my ability to contribute to the world in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Eliza, uh, two things for you. If you want to uh, so you talked about letting go and, and holding on to things. Uh, if you want to, if you want to read about Ryan's and my story of letting go, we wrote a book called Everything That Remains. It's my favorite thing that we've ever created. 
So Sean, if you could reach out to Liza and, and give her a copy of that, either the book book version, ebook version, or, or we have it on audiobook now as well. Also she's in Atlanta and we are going to be in Atlanta. So is JP Sears, which is going to be hilarious. Oh my God, man. Uh, I can't be, wait. He'll be part of that, that stop. If you don't know about JP, <laughs> this is either the best movie we've ever done or the worst movie we've ever done. <laughs> Can it be both simultaneously? <laughs> I think it depends. Uh, hey, check out, he, he, uh, he, did you see his tweet yesterday? No. Here, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. <laughs> what, what is so that? he tweeted this. It's his video. We'll put a link to this video in the show notes of this as well uh, over at theminimalist.com slash podcast. Uh, he, he, uh, he tweeted, I know less about minimalism than at the minimalists, which I think somehow means I know more. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just linked to his video. <laughs> his, is it uh, to the minimalism video yeah it's uh it's the video it's called being a minimalist ultra spiritual life episode oh 55 he, he has so a great weird. youtube channel it's uh obviously satire and uh, did you see the flat earther one i watched that the other day dude he it's, has a flat earth one. Oh my god i don't think i've so seen that funny. one it's so he, he's funny hilarious. so he, he'll be our special guest and i think we're to spend he'll spend 90 minutes we'll give you regular answers and i think he'll mock us for 90 minutes which will be <sighs> awesome it will be awesome looking forward to that and liza i hope you are as well we'll give you a couple tickets to atlanta stop if you're interested and can make it that's uh, in november we've got 40 other cities at lessisnow.com our next question is from emily over in uh, based on this accent i think she's in new jersey <laughs> josh um i think it's the old old new jersey wouldn't that be old jersey <laughs> uh, emily i think you're in the uk uh what's your question Hi, um, I'm just wondering if you can give any un advice on feelings of guilt when making new purchases. Recently, when I've gone to buy something, I can't help but feel guilty, like I might be drifting away from minimalism. I'm still fairly new to the concept, so sometimes I still tend to buy things I don't necessarily need, but I try to get rid of an item after I make a new purchase, so like the one-in, one-out rule. But I still worry that I'll waste money or break it or end up donating it in a few months. Um, for me, there's no generosity um, in this mindset. I have competing urges of how little money can I spend and, ooh, look at this new shiny thing. I'd like to find a balance between being Scrooge-like, worrying if an item is the most ethical, finding shopping around tedious and being seduced by the new and pretty. So my question really is, how do you stop feeling guilty about spending? How do you stop looking too closely? So I grew up Catholic. I totally understand about guilt, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I've been indoctrinated to, to feel guilt. Here's what I'll say, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Ryan. I think guilt can be a useful emotion. I think it's an indicator, but it's an indicator Certainly. of one, one of two things. And the first half is maybe helpful, the second half is probably not helpful. Mm. The helpful half is maybe you're feeling guilty because it's a behavior that's not in line with your values. And that's what it sounds like with Emily specifically. But here's the other thing. I think quite often we feel guilty for our actions because our behavior doesn't align with someone else's idea of who we think we should be. Mm. So that person, I feel guilty because that person 
thinks I shouldn't be this way. Because that person is judging me for this action or whatever. I feel judged and I feel like my actions aren't in line with their values. And here's what I'll say to that. If you're feeling guilty because of someone else's expectations, you're always going to feel guilty and it is not a useful emotion at all. And, and what we need to do is we need to care more about our own values. Are these actions in line with the person I want to be? Or am I worried about the person other people want to want me to be. And if it's the latter, you have to find a way to let go of that. Now, now she mentioned balance, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as much about balance. It's not about balancing the new shiny widget and frugality. Earlier, Ryan, you said that minimalism isn't about frugality. I agree with you. And I also think that frugality can be a nice benefit of minimalism because if you're buying less stuff, you're probably going to spend less money. You're also going to buy fewer but better things. So it's not like you're going to spend less money per item. You actually might end up spending more more money per item if you can afford it. But then the question is, can I buy fewer but better things? And in the long run, I'll own a lot less, but I'll have higher quality things. And those shiny things will remain shiny longer because I care about them. I'm willing to take care of them because it's easier to take care of a few items than it is tens of thousands of items. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in Emily's case here, the guilt might be an indicator that, yeah, she does need to take a different approach with the way uh, that she purchases things. I mean, the like the one in one out rule. This is man, like I, I talk out of both sides of my mouth when I talk about the one in one out rule because I think it is a good idea. Like if I buy, like if I upgrade my cell phone, okay, yeah. um, because my old cell phone essentially, let's say it broke, or let's say that the new upgraded version does something that is really going to add value to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, to hold on to that old cell phone is pointless. Like it's not, it does nothing for you. It does nothing for me. And let's say the new cell phone breaks. Why would I downgrade myself? Why would I take away that, that value that the new one was adding Mm -hmm. just to go back to the old? I mean, I would probably replace that, that cell phone that broke. Right. Um, so, you know, I think the one in one out rule is, is something that people should, definitely consider, but it's dangerous to like live by that rule. It gives us permission to buy new stuff when we let go of something. Yeah, too. And some people are like, well, I'll do the one in two out rule. Yeah. Still, you're giving yourself permission to, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to forever 21 and look around. Uh huh. And if there's something there that I really, I know that's your favorite shop, uh, Josh. I love forever. <laughs> twenty-one. So like you, I'm just going to look around and I'm going to buy the, I'm not going to buy anything unless it really stands out to me. If I'm only going to buy something, if it adds value to my life and then, you know, you're walking around, and you're like, man, that is a lovely sash. What is a sash? That's a, is that something that, is that like what Miss America wears? Is that a sash? <laughs> Why are you wearing one that says Miss Montana right now, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful sash. Now, when I bring this home, okay, I'm going to go ahead and buy that because I've given myself permission. If I buy something, I'm going to go home and get rid of two things. And then you go home and you get rid of like, you know, two pairs of socks or something. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not that, again, it's not that that rule is inherently bad, but it can certainly be dangerous. Like if that is, uh, something that you live your life by, mm. um, I think maybe the, maybe a better way I'm trying to find a, a way to articulate this rule well, here, here's, without here. giving someone so much freedom. I'm thinking like the one in one out rule is a great rule when you absolutely like have to go out there and replace something. Or, you know, if you are buying something that is adding value to your life and, uh, you know, you feel like you need to get rid of something cause you have too much stuff already. But like, I don't know. I went and bought a coffee mug. I bought that traveling coffee mug. 
Yeah, yeah. When we were, we're on, on the road. The, yeah, when we were on the road. Because I'm like, God, I keep meaning to do this. And um, the environment yeah. uh, topic came up a lot while now we were on the road. Now you just doing the virtual, or virtue signal? What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Look how virtuous I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, but no, it's it's more about like the, the you know, the environment um, topic came up a lot on the road. And I remember we were in Columbus and I'm like, look, I'm not perfect with the environment. Like I wish I could sit here and say that, you know, I recycle every single thing. Like I recycle 95% of the stuff I have, but sometimes like it's, I'll forget. I don't realize it was recycled, whatever it is. Like I'm just not perfect. Um, I have a water bottle. I'm, I'm carrying it with me right now, mm-hmm. but sometimes I forget that. And then when I'm on the, you know, if I'm out and about and I'm really thirsty, like I'm not going to go without water just because I forgot my water bottle. So then I go to a gas station, I'll try to find a glass bottle because like that's probably the least uh, harmful to the environment. Not probably. It is like the least harmful to the environment out of of all the stuff we throw away. And you know, at the, yeah, at the end of the day, if if there's not a glass bottle, then guess what, dude, I got to buy a plastic bottle and it sucks and I feel guilty for it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent perfect with it, but going through these, um, going through these conversations, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I've been meaning to get a to-go coffee mug. I'm going to get one. Right. So I went and got a to-go coffee mug. I didn't come home yesterday and get rid of something. Right. I mean, there, there was nothing, there wasn't anything for me to get rid of. And I'm certainly not going to pigeonhole myself and getting rid of something just because I brought something new into my life. Now, I'm sure that in that junk drawer that I have at home, there's something that maybe I could get rid of uh, but you know what, when that starts to overflow, then like, yeah, I'll start going through that junk drawer. Yeah. So my, my point is, is that the one in one out rule is not this end all be all answer. I've never liked the one on one out rule. I I've, I've always disliked it because it keeps you on a level playing field. So let's say, okay, the average American household has more than 300,000 items. Let's say you have 300,000 items and you have a one in one out rule. Then you're always going to have 300. You're always going to have three. And that's, you're, you're not addressing the problem. I think that rule can be helpful if it's, 10, uh, one in 10 out or one in a hundred out uh, at first. I mean, for me, sure. it, it wouldn't make sense. I don't have a hundred things I can get rid of at right. this point. But, but when you're first getting started, if you need, if you are struggling for a way to get some momentum and the 30 day minimalism game uh, uh, didn't appeal to you for whatever reason, maybe the one in 100 out rule can really help you think about your consumption in a way that gives you the momentum you need to start letting go. Like, yeah, of course I need to buy this new thing, but in order to do this, I'm going to have to let go of a hundred items or 10 items or whatever that number is for you. I've, I've talked to quite a few people on the road and they've used 20 in one or or one in 20 out rule. Sure. And, and so I think you can modify the rule. I think when it's uh, equal, when it keeps your, your stuff equal, then that, that becomes a problem. But the, even then at some point you can say, yeah, I can get rid of a hundred things and I'll reward myself. I'll splurge with something I, I don't need. So first I have to ask, does this thing add value? And before I bring it in and then I'm going to say, okay, are there 10 things, a hundred things I can get rid of if I'm going to try to implement that, that rule in my life? Yeah. I, I think for Emily here, Emily, you've got to be more disciplined and you know what is that what does that mean it means you got to create rules for yourself like if you're if you absolutely have to go to the mall i can't think of the last time i mean yeah i can't think of the last time i went to the mall i'm trying mm. to think like the last time i went there and purchased something oh i went and got socks mm. that's what it was but i went there for socks mm-hmm. and i left with socks that was it so like emily like you've got to create rules like that if you absolutely have to go to the mall for something then Write a list on what you need and don't leave with anything more. Um, I would avoid shopping altogether. It sounds like she said, oh, I'll be out and I'll see this new shiny thing and 
It's like avoid the shopping malls. I was I was talking to Bex about this. We were in the sauna this morning, and uh, she's like, "What are you recording your podcast on today?" I said, "It's uh, on shopping." Do you have any advice? And Bex said, "Yeah, don't do it." <laughs> and to me, like that, it, if I could sum up this episode or your advice that you you just gave to Emily Ryan, that advice is, "Yeah, don't do it." If, if you feel like buying something, don't do it. I mean, I can tell you recently, man, I, there's one thing I've been struggling with. I've I'm not struggling with, but like I've been uh, sort of volleying back and forth over my uh, two sides of my brain is that new BlackBerry phone that came out. Oh, dude, I've, the never, Blackberry seen you, key I've one. never seen you drool over something so much in my life. There's the, I don't get into electronics. I don't. Um, gadgets are, have never been my thing. Like I, I could care less about it. I mean, I have fallen down the rabbit hole in this. I've watched videos, listened to podcasts. <laughs> I went to crackberry.com and, and read all their stuff That's about great it. That crackberry.com still exists. It didn't. They brought it back. The guy who runs it, Kevin, he brought, I mean, so you and I were, we were entrenched in the world of Blackberry. Oh my goodness. I had a Blackberry for nine years, mm-hmm. uh, uh, starting in like 2002, 2003. And used it until five years ago. I got an iPhone, and I've, ever since I, I've never gotten used to the iPhone. Uh, I still can't type on an iPhone. Right, you do the voice dictation. I, yeah, I, I all the time, and I look like a crazy person. But I, our first book, Minimalism: Live a Meaningful Life, which I'm going to send a copy to Emily because it talks about our values. And, and Emily, uh, so Ryan, or not Ryan, Sean. We have podcast Sean here. Sean, if you could reach out to to Emily, I'll reach out to her if you want, man. I mean, you're going to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Emily, Ryan will be in Germany. He'll bring a copy for you. Can you meet him over there? Which, by the way, folks, follow Ryan on Twitter. He's at Ryan Nicodemus. Who knows if he might do an impromptu meetup? Oh, dude, you know meetup. I will. I will do an impromptu meetup in Berlin for yeah, sure. Yeah, so all, all of July, Ryan will be in Germany, and so probably in Berlin. He'll probably do something, and we'll try to retweet that from the Minimalist account as well. But anyway, uh, where was I going with that, Ryan? Oh, the BlackBerry. Um, we were fully in that mode, and... I missed the keyboard because that that the book was written primarily on a BlackBerry, at least yeah. the first draft. Now, obviously, the keyboard drafts. I will say is that is the best thing that's ty- that I've ever typed on. Man, is a BlackBerry keyboard without a doubt. I've never had any other phones with keyboards, but like just that the actual buttons. Because yeah, I hate it, man. Like you're trying to hit E and it keeps hitting R, or you you hit the M but it hits the backspace. Yeah, it's so it's so frustrating. It really is, man. I accidentally send texts all the time oh, yeah. and. Uh, and I'm telling you, man, and I'm still, even right now, y'all, I am on the fence. So if you want to tweet me at JFM and, and talk me into it or talk me out, out of it, I will, I will, uh, it's still out there for me. And it's, it's an expensive device. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not as expensive as an iPhone, but it's like $500, man. Wow. And uh, to buy it unlocked. And so it's something I'm still considering. And, and I don't know what, th- th- here's what I'm doing though. I was sitting down with, with Bex this morning in the sauna and instead of just splurging on it, I'm weighing out the pros and cons. Like, what is the big pro for me? The big one is the keyboard. I use it as a writing device, and I feel like I don't write as much impromptu because I don't have the The keyboard keyboard to do Mm. it. Uh, I wrote my novel, almost the entire thing, on a BlackBerry. I wrote large chunks of everything that remains on, which is my favorite thing I've ever created. I wrote large chunks of that on the BlackBerry. Yeah, unbelievable, man. And so so that to me is the big benefit. But what do I lose out on? I lose out on FaceTime, which is important to me, especially when we're on the road because I I call back. There are substitutes, like you could do Skype. I was thinking like iTunes. um, But then you have to like plan it. It doesn't ring the same way. Yeah, that's true. Um, The, uh, yeah, you always have to have the app on. You're right. Right. Um, iTunes, can you get iTunes on an Android device? No. 
So you'd have so you'd have to switch to like Spotify for streaming stuff. Or title. Or what is title? Oh, dude. Is this Jay-Z's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think I'm actually going to sign up for it this week because his new album comes Be- out exclusively on Tidal. Dude, his... Jay-Z's getting you, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's getting... It's like you can... You can get, it's so funny because like he's probably one of the only people who can boost subscriptions to a streaming service because... Well, Kanye did. His, yeah, but did it really boost? Yeah, yeah. It was several million people. Oh, was it really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was wow. unbelievable. Okay, okay. Uh, but well, I, think, yeah, I said one of the only people. Yeah, yeah. One yeah, of the few, right? Who could like release their album on a streaming service that isn't popular at all, but like boost the it's wildly subscriptions pop- by It's wildly by popular. Millions. It's just not popular within the circles that, that we're in. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but cool. a lot of people, a lot of people, younger people specifically, do they have most, title. do they, I'm not trying to sell title here to anyone, but like, do they have? Yeah, it's like Spotify. Okay. And yeah, they still have the same stuff on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Huh, okay. I've used it before. I, I, I tested it out. I did like one of their trial periods or whatever, just to try it out. It's just, I didn't need three different streaming, four different streaming services. Right. right? Um, but uh, all of his albums are on title right now. And this is not an ad for title. I, I, I could care less. I, use, but you're right, right? I use Apple music right now and I prefer that to any other service. Yeah. And so I would be giving that up. Um, I would be giving up iMessage, which is huge. That for is me, pretty man. huge. Yeah. And so like the question is like, I'm weighing this out. And for me, is that keyboard worth giving up these three or four other things? And, and then my question is, is iMessage a real value? Uh, do I get really good value from it? Or is it an imaginary value? Am mm. I saying it's worth more than it actually is? Am I saying iTunes is worth more than it actually, or not iTunes, it's Apple now, yeah. uh, Apple Music. Um, is, is that worth, am I giving it more worth than what it is actually worth? So so that's my advice for Emily here is when you're, when you're trying to weigh stuff like this, you really have to say, it down and so I have with anything that's over 200 bucks for me I I have a 30 day rule where I'm like I'm not going to buy this for 30 days right and um, just because I know that I might act on impulse and so I during that 30 days I get to weigh the options what are the pros what are the cons what am I gaining and then also what am I losing sometimes I'm losing money sometimes I'm losing features functionality whatever Mm -hmm. um and when you lose money, you also lose some of your time because you have to work to earn that money back. Absolutely. So, so think about that. Enjoy that copy of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Emily, I hope you, I hope you find value in our five, uh, five foundational values that we wrote about in that book. All right, y'all. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or tip about shopping, including any advice for our callers today, then leave us a voicemail at 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips at the end of this episode and at the end of future episodes. All right, let's move on to our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at The Minimalists. Uh, During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. All right, our (laughs) first... Our first question is from Twin Sauce. <laughs> I'm just laughing because Mariah calls me Dr. Sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had a twin. <laughs> um, yeah, remember the... I don't, I, don't, I don't even want to know why she calls you. Just just stop. No, dude. Well, our <laughs> listeners want to know. Um, no, man, we were... So we were doing the interview with... Um, 
the Cleveland food oh, edible Cleveland. Yeah. Edible Cleveland. So it it's was a magazine. In Cleveland. Yeah. A specific to like food. Yeah. And she asked me, um, about condiments. She, well, no, no. She's like, if I open up your fridge, what would I see? What would I see? And I was like, a lot of like, first you'd probably see a lot of sauces. <laughs> it's like, I am all about the sauces. And I've always been that way to like my dad growing up, he would always make these concoctions. Dude, right. Like habanero hot sauce. Yeah, dude. And no matter what, dude, if my dad bought like a barbecue sauce or a hot sauce, he would never just leave it alone. He would always, always like pop open the little plastic top. And then he'd like dump his own little spices in there and like alter the sauce. Anyway, um, yes. I love, I love that album. Alter the sauce. Alter the sauce. That, was, that was a Radiohead album. <laughs> all right. All right. So twin sauce, they ask as YouTubers, we need to sell merch as an income source, but as minimalists, we don't want to encourage clutter. What right. should we do? So twin sauce does sound like a YouTuber name. So uh, congratulations for getting a mention on our podcast, twin sauce. Yes. Uh, but thanks for the good question. A- and it's something that Ryan and I bump into all the time. We don't actually sell any physical products on our website or on our, on our podcast. We, we don't re- dude. I we mean, recommend I guess, like, the books, like they can order a book. I think about books as experiences because the, the value is, is actually not in the physical object itself, but here's what I'll say. It is a physical item though. You and I, we have been working with Malcolm Fontier on bringing back my travel bag. Man, we're going to get so much shit for that. <laughs> yeah, we are. But here's the thing. We've thought, thought it through very deliberately. Oh, dude, this has been like, yeah, this has been one of the most deliberate things we have ever done, man. Like, I, I've had over a thousand people ask me about the travel bag that's yeah. in our documentary. And so um, we'll put a link to, if you are interested in the, the bag, we'll put a, a link to that in, in the show notes. And uh, you, you can, you can basically sign up for an email to be notified. We're going to do a Kickstarter thing. So we, we can gauge how many people are actually interested in, in purchasing in this thing. And by the way, we're working on, on, uh, de- donating uh, a good chunk of the profits to charity and also do- donating old pe- uh, not old people, people's old bags. <laughs> we're going to donate old people's old bags. We're just going to go into old people's houses and we're going to take their bags from them. <laughs> Oh my so God. you don't need that old person. You're not <laughs> traveling anymore. No, we're gonna take we're, we're gonna take uh, folks' old bags and find a way to donate them as well, so other people can get value from it. But uh, it's the best bag I've ever used. You probably don't need a new bag, but if you're in the market for a travel bag and you sort of want the the last travel bag that you'll ever have, stay tuned. We'll have more details on it. We'll put a link to sign up for the. This is actually a really good segue. Go ahead. To selling physical items. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think it's, I mean, we, we have these like, th- this bag is not a tchotchke. No. And oh, by the way, like this, like when, when we do, when this bag does come out, uh-huh. we're not going to retire off of these sales. Like it's not, this is something that um, is going to add an incredible amount of value to people's lives. Exactly. And, and, and so the thing I have to think about anytime you and I have created something, Ryan, it's always because, because there has been some sort of pent up demand. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what my, yeah. my, my answer to this would be, and we'll give a short answer. I have something written down that's pithy and tweetable, but wait, wait for demand. And uh, Derek Sivers talks about this in his book, anything you want, like every business he's created is because someone had a demand. So, so for, when he started CD baby, it's because all of his friends needed a way to, to sort of self-publish or, or self-release uh, their own music online. Mm-hmm. There was no way to do it. And right. 
the big stores wouldn't have anyone online who was independent. And he, he catered to independent artists. And so there was demand there for us. We started the blog. We didn't sell anything. We didn't do anything. We just put, put the minimalists.com out there. Well, over the course of that first year, so many people, Ryan, so many people asked us, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book about minimalism? Mm-hmm. I want to read a book from the minimalists about minimalism. And so you were like, you and I were like, well, Hey, let's write a book called minimalism by the minimalists. Right. And, and we did that and it was successful enough. And, and then people kept asking us, uh, you know, when are you going to write about your story and, and, and tell us more about the background of how you grew up. And, and that's what resonates with us. So we wrote everything that remains and that, that because there was demand there and the people were like, Hey, when are you going to put your books on audiobook? And I'm like, ah, that's really, that's a lot of work. And what we kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Eventually we put our books out on audiobook because so many people were asking for it. Right. And then so many people asked for what they asked for a podcast. You guys should really do a podcast. And I heard this two times, five times, a dozen times, a hundred times. And at some point I'm like, you know what? There's something to this. We have so much pent up demand. Let's start a podcast. We didn't say, Hey, I'm going to do this thing and try to sell it to a bunch of people. Ryan, let's start minimalist t-shirts and see what happens. And now with this bag, it's going to be the first physical item, hopefully by the end of 2017, first physical item that we've ever sold. But it's because there's been just so, so much pent up demand. No one else makes a bag like this. And I've looked for other bags because mine, you know, I've beaten the hell out of it. I've taken it on uh, seven of our last eight tours and hundreds of cities and it's still held up. But I know at some point I'm going to have to replace it because I'm using, we travel so much mm. and I've never found a replacement. And so in a weird way, in a selfish way, I'm like, how do I recreate this bag for myself? <laughs> right. Yeah. And we've been working with Malcolm to, to do that. And so my, my short answer is, Intentional creators focus on creating value, not urgency. Yeah, my, oh, go ahead. So, so I, I think that, that I think the problem, what we often do is, I mean, you and I, whenever we're on tour, we always joke. I'll send you pictures from Joseph A. Bank, the, the men's clothing store, right? They, they've lost all credibility with me because they're all, everything's always on sale. When the have time. they not had a sale? One time I've seen it ever and it, freaked me out. I'm like, what is going on here? Are they changing the signage out? Oh, like wow. it terrified me because every other time we, we've gone past these Joseph A. Banks hundreds of times. We used to manage stores right next door to them. Yeah. Like we would joke with each other. We'd send a picture. Oh my God, I'd be dumb. Not if I buy one tie, I get four ties free. I'd be dumb not to do it. I have to do it right now. Yeah. And they create this false urgency. So twin sauce, don't create urgency, wait for the demand. And if there is demand, then you can feel good because you know, the product is adding value. Yeah. Uh, my short answer is this. If you're adding value to people's lives, you needn't sell them trinkets to earn a living. Offer them something that they will find immense value in. So with Josh and I, going back to his point, we have never just put out, uh, you know, essentially trinkets. I mean, yeah, we haven't sold anything physical, um, I mean, again, I guess you could say a book is a physical item. I mean, this is semantics here, but my point is, is like, we're not selling the minimalist t-shirt. We're not selling minimalist coffee mugs. We're not selling, uh, you know, minimalist, uh, shoe, shoe brand or whatever it is. And there's some of those things we wouldn't sell either. Even if a bunch of people wanted the minimalist coffee mugs, it wouldn't make sense. Here's the thing is that, you know, what Josh and I realize is that if we are adding value to people's lives, people are going to be willing to support us. So what we try to do is, is we try to offer people things that they're going to find uh, immense value in, whether it's with Josh's writing class or, uh, you know, the mentoring service that we have on the website or whether it's our books, whatever it may be. I mean, everything that Josh and I have, we really try to make sure that it adds value. 
And it does. And people are willing to support you when you're adding value. Now, you know, as a YouTuber, I don't really know that business model, but yeah, I mean, you might be creating very meaningful content on YouTube and, uh, you might have to right now, your business model might be selling trinkets to provide a living, but I'm sure there's something out. You could sell twin sauce, come up with a, how to make an outstanding YouTube video course and like sell that. I mean, that's going to add an immense amount of value. But yeah, selling selling trinkets is, um, and this is no offense to Twin Sauce, but it's kind of like the easy way out. It's kind of mm. like this, this um, it's a quick hit. Well, yeah, like, I guarantee you, dude, if we put up a hashtag minimalist t-shirt or hashtag minimalism t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. like people would buy it, but that wouldn't, it wouldn't align with our values and beliefs. I wouldn't feel good about it. No. And so, so if you don't feel good about it, maybe that's an indicator, right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, like with this bag that we're going to do, I feel outstanding about it because, and I mean, I've worked harder on that this year than it, a lot of other things. It's I've a worked hell on. yes for us. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. So, so Derek Severs talks about it either has to be a hell yes or a no. And if you can't get to hell yes, then say no to the thing. Yeah. Well, that's a better pithy answer. What's our next question? Our next question is from Sudanshu. They ask, how can you create a profitable minimalist store. <laughs> um, I laughed too when I saw this. I know. I well, here's the thing. I, I, well, actually, my short answer says it all. I don't think I even need to say much more than this. Meaning and purpose is lost when profit is the motive. Yeah, here's my short answer. Selling minimalism is like selling water to a fish. Oh. Our next question is from Mary Kate. What is a good question to ask yourself before you go shopping? And what's something to ask yourself when you're in the store and ready to buy? Well, for me, it's, it's actually three questions. So here's, here's my short answer to this. And it is, it's 139 characters. So this one is tweetable. It's like right on there. It is right on there. So you can tweet it or Facebook it or Snapchat it. Can you Snapchat these I things? I don't know. Come on, I don't know kids. what these kids are into. All right. So here's my short, short answer. My minimal maxim. Before bringing something new into your life, ask yourself three questions. Will this add value? Can I afford this? What is the true cost? And so if I, if, just to expand real quick on the true cost, we, too, too often we, we, don't, we don't think about all of the other costs of the thing. We think of the price tag, but we don't think of the cost of putting gas into the thing, refueling the thing, repainting the thing, repurposing the thing, storing the thing, off-site storage for the thing, the batteries for the thing, all the space the thing takes up in your mind, worrying about the thing, thinking about the thing. There are all of these hidden costs in, inside our thing. So can I afford this? Yes, that has to do with the, the price tag, but can I afford the cost beyond the price tag? What is the true cost? I think those are great questions. Um, I guess if I was to add something to it, it would, it would be this. Uh, my short answer is make a list before you go shopping and don't buy anything that isn't on your list. So that's helped me out so much with yeah. grocery shopping, especially because I, uh, so to me, there is no, like, there's no questions I ask myself when I'm in the store. I already know why I'm there in the store. Yes. There's nothing for me. There's nothing to ask while I'm there. I've already oh. thought it out. I've already written the list. There's no, if so I, why am I here is a great question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And your list is just your answer. 
your Absolutely. list is why I'm, and and I'll tell you what I'll do man and it, it is it is torturous sometimes I'll forget to put like hot sauce on my list mm. and I'll refuse to buy I see it at the store and I'm like it's not on my list I have mm. to stick to this I have to go home and come back if I want to buy this hot sauce yeah and and I, I realize that that sounds silly but if I deviate once I'll deviate a hundred times yeah. and all of a sudden I'll oh jelly beans aren't on my list but I meant to put them on there R- wink wink right and, and then all of a sudden uh, I'm just buying a bunch of nonsense that isn't on the list anyway way okay now it's time for our added value portion of the show this is where we each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently ryan i've got three things and they're all good do you have anything that's added value to your life recently man um why don't you go first i'll try to think of something (laughs) all right i've got an album i have a netflix special and i have a thing as well, so physical nice. things. So we're talking about shopping. It might as I always well love your about. album recos, man. Unless it's one you've already recommended to me, and I've, I've been listening to it. I've sort of recommended this one, but not directly. So uh, David Gray just put out the best of David Gray. This isn't his greatest hits album, which he put out a few years ago. <laughs> okay, the best David Gray. I think it's two discs, if that's a thing anymore. It's two albums. Yeah, I whatever. It's like twenty four songs, but it truly is the best of David Gray. Like when I think of all of David Gray's songs from his many eras. Uh, everything from Shine, which was almost it's almost thirty years old. It's twenty five twenty five years old now. It was like his first album. Yeah, a young David Gray, uh, twenty five years ago when he was probably twenty years old. Uh, to Babylon and all the hits, and then and then the stuff after that. The really good music he made after the White Ladder album. It is truly the best of David Gray, and it is an outstanding album. So check that out. A Netflix special by Chris D'Elia just came out yesterday. It's called Man on Fire. Yesterday from the day we're recording this. Bex, Bex and I watched it last night, and there's nothing better in the world than watching your partner just almost piss themselves laughing so so uh, uh, out loud. I mean, Hey, it, man, whatever you guys are into, I don't judge. <laughs> man, I mean, her smile is just unbelievable. So Rebecca enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it. Chris D'Elia, we'll put a link to that. His last name is spelled D apostrophe E L I A. Chris D'Elia, the special is called Man on Fire, which is sort of a spoof of the Denzel Washington movie, Man on Fire. And then there's a thing that I'm going to recommend, Ryan. It's this ring that I'm wearing. And you asked me about it on stage the other day. It looks like a wedding ring, uh, but you don't have to wear it on your wedding ring finger. It's not. It is a sleep tracker that I'm using from a company called Aura. It's called an Aura ring. And I reached out to the company this week and said, hey, can you give our listeners a discount code for this? Uh, for the ring. Dude, this this will literally be the first discount code we have ever had on this podcast. I know, but here's the cool thing. And he said, yes, I'll give your listeners 10% off and I'll also give the minimalists 10%. And I said, great, we'd love to donate that money to charity. And so I'm not telling you you need a ring or a sleep tracker. I've gotten immense value from this one personally. I've been tracking my sleep. Now, Ryan, what it does, so it does three things. This, this ring is tracking my sleep, <laughs> my activity, and my readiness for the day. And so if I I click on sleep, for example, it tells me my total sleep last night, which was less than the night before. It was seven hours, 23 minutes. But then it talks about my different cycles, how much of that was REM sleep, light sleep, deep sleep. Then it goes into the different definitions for me. It also talks about my sleep efficiency, my disturbances throughout the night, my resting heart rate, my core body temperature. It measures all of these things all within this ring and it's wildly accurate, way more accurate than say a Fitbit because it happens on the ring. Awesome. On your, well, and on, so what is the advantage of knowing your core body temperature? Well, a few things. Uh, your, your core body temperature and your heart rate will um, let you know that... Um, 
maybe you're not getting the recovery sleep. If your resting heart rate raises above a certain level, above your average, you won't get as deep of sleep. And so you have to find ways to reduce your resting heart rate. And and, there, and the app gives you some tips and tricks. Each day it tells you like, today it says, last night your sleep score was 85, which is out of 100, which was is really good. Awesome. Uh, and it's, but it says you're facing challenges. Your resting heart rate was above average and you may not be cl- uh, entirely recovered. Late workouts, stress, stimulants, or alcohol can raise your resting heart rate. Well, I didn't drink any alcohol or more stimulants. It'll also mean you're coming down with something. Ooh, that could be. Maybe I'm getting a cold from Ooh. being on tour so long. I don't wow. know. But um, it's called the Aura Ring, and it, it tracks your activity for the day. It also gives you daily targets and metrics. It also reminds you if you've been seated for more than an hour. So it just pinged me, actually, because we've been sitting here for more than an hour. Mm. And and so it's like, hey, it's time to get up and stretch your legs and stay active. And then it also measures your readiness for the day. So some days it's like, today is the day for you to push yourself because you're really ready to face the day. You got great sleep. You got your balance really well. And it measures all of these things and gives it to you on the, the app. I love how when, like, when you first had that ring, uh, you would get up and before looking at it, like you would actually give yourself an hour to see how you felt. It's important because I didn't want <laughs> Because it might just be a placebo. Tape. You might feel great at first. And then you look at your, your data and you're like, Oh, this says that I don't feel great. Oh no, maybe I don't feel great. <laughs> you know what's interesting, man, is like it's been accurate every day cuz I'll wait, I'll say, "Okay, how do I feel today?" Let me guess my score. I'm probably a 72 today. And I'll look <laughs> at it and it's like, "You're a 74." It's almost always right. There's only been one day where I I felt um I felt more rested than the app said. And and then I saw it and I'm like, "Huh." But then I realized like the reason I I I felt dragging later in the day as I didn't have enough deep sleep the night before. Mm. And so it, it actually did affect me later, but, um, uh, yeah, I didn't want the placebo effect of like, well, this thing says I slept terribly. I guess I feel like crap today. Uh, so I would wait, but it's a great way to track it. It also helps me improve my overall sleep and it'll give you tips throughout like yesterday. If you would have went to bed an hour later, you could have improved your sleep score. Uh, and, and so it gives you the tips. It's called the aura ring. We'll put a link to it, but if you use the code minimalists, you get 10% off. And, um, I don't want you to feel, by the way, I don't think you need this ring. If you're looking for a great sleep tracker, this one has been great for me. I don't think you should buy it. I'm not telling you to buy this thing. Let me be really clear. And then if you do buy one because you really feel like you need one and A, you can afford it and B, it's worth the cost to you. It's the best use of that money because they're not cheap. They're like 300 bucks. Um, you get 10% off and another 10% will go to us, which we, we will donate 100% of that to charity because we don't do any advertisements for anyone and we're, we're not going to start now. So those are the three things I recommend. Best of David Gray, Chris D'Elia, Man on Fire, and the Aura Ring because uh, I'm not even recommending it. It's adding value to my life. It works for me. And if you want it, use the promo code minimalists and, uh, Sweet. and you'll enjoy it. If, All right. Or maybe you won't enjoy it. All right, Josh, I thought of something. Tell me. After searching the Googles, no, I was searching for um, that brand of uh, thermos that I bought when we were on tour. It actually works really, really well. Like a co- it's a coffee. You can you can put any hot or cold liquid in it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a thermos. It's a twelve ounce thermos. Um, you can do hot or cold. Uh, it, the brand is Clean Canteen. Obviously, Sean will have it in the show notes. It's funny though because like it almost works too well because <laughs> I, I love coffee. But I like when it cools down a little bit, right? And dude, like, it will hold. It will. It will hold 
the same temperature for hours, man. Mm. So like what I've done now is I'll make a cup of coffee and I'll leave the lid off of it and it'll, some of the heat will escape. Right. And it'll get to a nice drinking temperature. Right. Although, I mean, I can drink it when it's super hot too. I just, perf- I think the flavor gets a little bit better when it cools down. Yeah. Or you can, but it works it- that well, man. Like it will hold, it will hold things hot for eight hours and then things cold for like 12 hours. It's something crazy. But if you, if you're at a coffee shop with it and you're sitting down there instead of, Instead of using a paper cup, you can just leave the lid off, and then it, it's just, it's essentially like having a, yeah. a regular mug or something there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is beautiful too. It was it was black. It looked very sleek and minimalist. But, yes, but the question is, if do you? That's what we'll do. We'll start selling minimalist canteens, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's weird like i felt weird recommending this ring i've gotten immense value from it personally like i really it's funny because that's one of those things that i saw that you had yeah and i know it's over a couple hundred bucks yeah and i've been waiting like a month to see it. like i'm gonna go to germany come back and see if it's something that i still really want because yeah. it does sound it sounds like uh like a good um measure for how well i'm taking care of myself and yeah. then what pivots do I need to make to have better sleep, to, to live a healthier lifestyle? And I've learned that it's just a few, it takes a few tweaks, right? Like when we're on tour, I can't go to bed early, which I hate. I I love going to bed at eight or nine o'clock at night, but we're on tour. We don't get back to the hotel until like 12 midnight. We're lucky to be back at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes later than that. Mm -hmm. And and so just because we do a hug line and stuff afterward. And so, yeah, I, I found that like it, my body still wants to get up early as hell, even though I get less sleep. And so just being back, I've noticed my sleep's different just coming back and being back into my routine. And so it helps me just make small adjustments. It's not pivoting 180 degrees. It's a five degree pivot here and there. And it makes a huge difference in the long run. And I'm testing different things out right now. Like I slept with earplugs in last night and I'll try it without earplugs tonight and I'll do the face mask. And and I'm just trying different things to see if it it affects my sleep in any meaningful way. Cool. Uh, Speaking of being on tour, Ryan and I are in the middle of the Less Is Now tour. I mean, literally in the middle. We just finished the the first leg of the Less Is Now tour, and we're taking a quick break so Ryan go to, Ryan go over to Germany. But we're hitting the road again late August. We're starting in Toronto, so head on over to Less Is <laughs> when Now. When he says late August, he literally means August thirty first is when we start it back is. up. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is August thirty first, and then from there we're we're going to be in Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. So we have six different tour stops in Canada and we'll be out on the East Coast, Philadelphia, Manhattan and Brooklyn. The Mountain States will be in Salt Lake City, Denver and Phoenix. And then we're headed down to Texas, Austin, Dallas and Houston. And then we're uh, we'll be in the South in November, Nashville, Washington DC, Atlanta and Tampa. Finishing the tour in December in Detroit and Milwaukee. It's going to be cold and snowy, and we're going to love it. So we're looking forward to seeing you there. <laughs> Coming out, we give a, an in-depth talk about minimalism. We record a live version of the Minimalist Podcast. We take photos and dish out a bunch of hugs and answer all of your questions along the way, or at least a lot of those questions. So looking forward to seeing you there. Tickets, theaters, dates, all that stuff is over at lessisnow.com. 
And if you want to support our podcast, keep it 100% advertisement free, head on over to our Patreon page. Just go to theminimalists.com, click on the donate button at the top, and you can find all the details there. Help us build uh, meaningful creations together. We're going to do this podcast studio together. We want to pay, continue to pay podcast Sean a full-time living wage, hire a full-time filmmaker, and make a lot more video creations along the way. Yeah, it's up to you guys. I mean, if you want to see more videos, if you want us to see... Uh, if, if you want, I'm sorry, if you want us to see, if you want to see, we do want us to see, uh, if, if you want us to have more guests on our show, um, we, we do need a legit, uh, podcast studio right now. Um, like Josh has this arm that is anchored to a table that has literally fallen off before in the middle of a podcast. And he's just like had to hold it, uh, by himself. <laughs> Um, I, I've got this little microphone stand and it works great. And you can, you know, we, we've done 85 podcasts this way. Uh, but for us to, to go above and beyond what we've been doing, we do need your help. So it's really, it's really about what you guys want to see. If you don't want ha- us to have, um, uh, guests on the show, if you don't want to see video work, then go ahead and, uh, just, you know, not, not contribute that that's okay with us too. Uh, but we really want to give you all what you want. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, man. I feel I feel like right now we're really asking for about 1% of our audience. We want to get to 5,000 patrons. We're at 10% of that right now. Uh, I think we have 550 patrons right now. Uh, so what is that, 11%? Something like that. <laughs> anyway, we, we need to get to 5,000 to be able to, to have the funds. And by the way, none of this money goes to me or Ryan. Uh, this goes to pay Sean, pay a full-time uh, filmmaker so that we can do a video version. If we have any leftover money from it, we're going to, we're going to donate that to, to charity. And so, and we'll be completely transparent about any extra money that we have and put that out there. Also for our Patreon patrons, we will do uh, exclusive live streams. Occasionally we'll do some exclusive podcasts. We'll record those live streams and give those out to you. We'll do like an ask me anything or ask the minimalists anything session. And we will get that out to you. That will be exclusive only to the Patreon patrons. Uh, Last thing, uh, if you missed it, Ryan and I did two uh, web series recently. One is called Simples and the other is called Making Minimalism. You can find those on our YouTube channel. Uh, Simples is an animated series about, it's a four-part series about living an intentional life. And uh, Making Making Minimalism was about our documentary going behind the scenes, how we created that documentary, the three years we spent on it. Matt Diavella, our director, did an outstanding job on that. Our YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash the minimalists. We want to get to 100,000 subscribers over there. We have not done a good job of using that YouTube channel in the past. And that's one of the reasons we want to put out video more and more video creations is so we can use YouTube more effectively, more efficiently. And so we need your help with that. We also want to get to 100,000 subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet. You want to head on over there, check out those two mini series, become a subscriber. And then of course you'll get any new video creations that that we put out right there on our YouTube channel. Ryan, you got anything else? Yeah. I would just say, uh, follow me on Twitter at Ryan Nicodemus. If you live in Germany or are going to be in Germany, mainly Berlin is where I'm going to uh, probably have a little pop-up uh, impromptu meet up at a coffee shop there. Also, feel free to send me some of your coffee shop recommendations. Uh, if you know any awesome coffee spots or food spots in Germany in general, uh, specifically Berlin, uh, send those over my way at Ryan Nicodemus on Twitter. And then finally, here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, this is Tracy from South Jersey. I wanted to comment on breaking the cycle from the Hoarder podcast last week. I was listening to a TED Talk by David Christian, who talks about big history. In his talk, he started with the Big Bang and the beginning of the universe. But at one point he said, gravity is more powerful when there's more stuff. 
I think this applies not only to the universe, but to our lives. Cluttered rooms, tables, and desks invite more clutter to gravitate to it. For those who feel overwhelmed, I make this suggestion. Pick a space, your desk, your dining room table, your bedroom, and have a minor packing party. Take everything out of the area, clean it thoroughly, then only allow back in or on what belongs there as you need it. Once you've cleared the area, make it a priority to keep it cleared. For me, this started in my bedroom, which became a tidy, restful sanctuary. Now nothing comes in that doesn't belong, and everything is put in its place immediately. Then it's spread to the dining room table, a notorious horizontal surface that used to invite clutter. Slowly, my entire house became more tidy without me ever saying anything to my family. No one wanted to be the person who threw stuff down on the dining room table as it was clean and had fresh flowers on it. We all now take pride in our tidy home without me once ever preaching minimalism. As the clutter disappeared, the spaces became easier to maintain and the entire family feels less stressed. Hi. This is Matt calling from Edinburgh in Scotland, and I have a comment for Claire, um, who asked a question on podcast 83 around catchphrases to use for when people are challenging her lifestyle. So I have two catchphrases I'm going to suggest. The first one is, um, I would suggest saying with a smile, it's humorous, it's unapologetic, and I would just say, that's the way I roll. It stops people in their tracks, it's not defensive, and it works for me 100% of the time. The other catchphrase I'd suggest, and this is for when uh, people are defending the way they're living in, in, compare, in comparison to your life, uh, and I'm borrowing from Billy Joel here, just tell them, I love you just the way you are. I wanted to share a key event in my minimalist journey that occurred last week. I'd worked the entire week and was using my day off to run some errands. Mid-afternoon, my partner calls and informs me that his cousin and her hubby are in town and will be spending the night at our place. Six months ago, I would have freaked out and torn home to frantically toss crap into closets and under beds in an attempt to make the house somewhat presentable. But after six months of minimalizing, I said it would be great to see them, went home and changed the bed sheets, gave a quick tidy to the bathroom, put out some fresh flowers, and within 30 minutes, had everything good to go. We were able to enjoy our unexpected guest, not apologize for the state of the house, and not worry that we would accidentally kill someone if they opened the wrong closet door. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. And you can also send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes away Or tear